1: Is a crowd podcast. The following contains descriptions of a graphic nature from the very start, which some of you might find upsetting. If you want to check out another episode which isn't as graphic, I'd recommend the one on Flojo or Payne Stewart. But if you're ready for it, here we go. Chris Benoit killed his son with his signature ring move. The bruises on the poor kid's face proved that. Benoit used a similar move to kill his wife, except with the help of an electrical cable. If he could have killed himself the same way, he might have done, but not even he was that good. So he hanged himself instead. Not a pretty sight. As if he were saying, is this real enough for you? Realness was Benoit's thing. He was like a method actor in a pantomime. Because that's what pro wrestling is. More pantomime than sport. With directors, storylines, scripts. And lots of silliness. He's behind you and he's going to wrap a chair around your head. But at least Benoit tried to make it look real. At least give him that. In fact, it's a big part of where it went wrong. This is Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network. For all its silliness, pro wrestling is deadly serious, with the emphasis on deadly. Those chairs that were wrapped around wrestlers' heads. Yeah, that happened. It wasn't a magic trick. Someone wrote it, but the damage was real. What does Chris Benoit's life and death say about American society, that it needs its entertainment to be so destructive? What does it say about the blurring of fantasy and reality, that wrestlers are being slowly killed before people's eyes, and they think it's all just a lark? And what does it say about pro wrestling, that its realist, most committed star was also its most damaged. Time to rewind to the beginning. Growing up in Canada, Benoit always wanted to be a wrestler. That means a lot of noise coming from upstairs and a few broken beds. When Benoit is 12, his dad takes him to see a wrestling show headlined by Brett the Hitman Heart who makes it huge in America. But it's an Englishman called Tom Dynamite Kid Billington who has Benoit transfixed. Billington is like a Swiss Army knife of wrestling. His moveset is bewildering. He's also only five foot eight, but makes up for that with skill and aggression. And he makes it all seem possible to the kid from Edmonton. Benoit trains at the gym of Bret Hart's dad, Stu. It's nicknamed the Dungeon because it's in a basement and full of torture. It's also under the Hart family mansion, which shows where all that torture might lead to. Benoit loves the graft and he learns fast. Holds, throws, strikes, leaps. And he's combative, seems to save a pain. Don't let the silliness fool you. Pro wrestlers are serious athletes. Benoit makes his pro debut in 1985 when he's just 18. This is the golden age of pro wrestling, with regional circuits all over America and Canada and big nationwide brands hoovering up the best talent. So in one respect, Benoit's timing is perfect. But in another respect, he's a little late to the party. Wrestlers have started getting big. Ludicrously big. Back in the 70s, it was mainly normal-sized men with the odd flabby giant. But World Wrestling Federation chief Vince McMahon likes his talent to look like cartoon characters. Think He-Man, or action heroes from the movies like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone. Suddenly, Hulk Hogan... Build of six foot seven and 300 pounds is what fans expect wrestlers to look like. Benoit is a strip of a lad at five foot 10. He spends four years in Stampede Wrestling, one of the biggest brands in Canada, building a persona as an average Joe with a blue collar work ethic. When he isn't performing, he's learning the technical stuff the casual fans don't notice. How to throw an opponent a million different ways and escape a million different holds. How to lift a man 100 pounds heavier and slam him into the canvas. How to launch himself from the top rope, trap a man's head between his legs and twist him to the ground, with the grace of a circus acrobat. Benoit works as hard to get his moves right as any Olympic gymnast or Bolshoi ballerina. This is what Bret Hart says. Chris was a wrestler's wrestler and had deep respect for the craft. Then there's the really brutal stuff. The diving headbutt, which he borrowed from his hero Billington. It's Benoit leaping from the top rope and landing head first on an opponent. That isn't good for anyone. Benoit's finishers include the crossface, which is him wrapping his arms around an opponent's neck, locking his hands together and wrenching his head back. Sometimes he pulls so hard he ends up on his backside. The more thoughtful wrestling fans love Benoit's work, but progress is slow. He spends the next five years shuttling between shows in Japan and America, picking up minor titles here and there. When he breaks an opponent's neck in 94, the nickname Crippler Benoit gains traction. His opponent recovers, not that it makes much difference. Wrestling promoters are dark like that. Benoit finally hits the big time in 2000, when he's signed by the WWF. He isn't a strip anymore. He's not quite Hulk Hogan, but he weighs 220 pounds. A great slab of a man, put together like a tank. Can I just shock you? He doesn't achieve that look just by eating lots of cows and shifting big weights. Drug use in pro wrestling is an open secret. In 93... McMahon was charged with distributing illegal steroids. Even Hulk Hogan, the blue-eyed boy, admitted he'd been taking them for years. But McMahon got off and everyone acted like it never happened. Over the next decade, WWF got bigger and more violent. The stories thought up by its creative team became more extreme. Wrestlers wanted to kill each other. But McMahon was just giving the public what they wanted. And by the time Benoit joined the circus, WWF was the only show in town. WWF is the perfect entertainment for 21st century America, where it's difficult to know where fantasy ends and reality starts. It's a weird affair on many different levels. Everyone knows the shows are fake. Who hates who, who wins the matches, how they win them. But a lot of people think it's fake in the way a soap opera is fake, or a computer game. It doesn't occur to them the guys beating each other up might actually be getting badly hurt. As one former wrestler puts it, it looks like it hurts, because it does. Unlike the other famous WWF, the World Wildlife Fund, McMahon's outfit isn't big on welfare, even for humans. There are 250 shows a year and a limited number of wrestlers, If someone doesn't look like they're 100% committed, McMahon bins them, because there are hundreds lining up to take their place. There's no wrestlers' union, and because McMahon employs his wrestlers as independent contractors, they have no pension or insurance cover. The result? They work through terrible pain. Always fearing the chop. Bret Hart reckons that some mornings it took him ten minutes just to summon the courage to even try to get out of bed. Dressing rooms double up as pharmacies. Wrestlers pop pills like Pac-Man. Doctors are like medical Willy Wonkas, wandering round with grocery bags full of every kind of painkiller and steroid. Human growth hormone is also popular to help muscles recover more quickly, as is cocaine to get wrestlers revved for a show. What a wrestler wants, a doctor can get. Here's a pretty damning quote from one wrestler. Sometimes I held out my hand and swallowed whatever they gave me. The deaths pile up at an alarming rate. Wrestlers dead and under the age of 40. The cause is usually something to do with the heart, brought on by too many steroids and painkillers But because people have become so used to thinking of wrestlers as cartoon or computer game characters rather than actual people, hardly anyone seems to care. Another life lost. Game over. Let's just play it again with a different character. Benoit needs medicating more than most, because there's no wrestler more committed. One rival tells a story of finding Benoit in a boiler room deep in an arena after a show, doing 500 squats because of a minor mistake. And Benoit is an essential part of a promotion. Most fans want to see the big men, people like The Rock, who's six foot five and 260 pounds, or The Big Show, who's seven foot tall and 500. But hardcore wrestling fans still exist, people who marvel at the technical skill and athleticism, That's where Benoit comes in, to add a touch of class to proceedings. And when he gets involved in the silliness, he makes it look real. Even being hit by a steel chair leaves him strangely satisfied. But Benoit's situation isn't as rosy as it looks. That's right, wrestlers don't just bleed. They also have personal lives, often complicated. Benoit had two children with his first wife, Martina, before entering into a relationship with Nancy Sullivan. That was a weird one, even by wrestling standards. Nancy was married to a fellow wrestler and promoter, Kevin Sullivan. Wanting to create a feud, Kevin created a storyline that had Benoit having an affair with Nancy, who was also Kevin's imaginary manager nicknamed Woman. Do keep up. Before long, Benoit and Nancy were having an affair in real life. No wonder wrestling fans have trouble telling truth from fiction. Benoit and Nancy get married in 2000. That same year, a month after Benoit joins WWF, they have a son. They seem like a happy family, all smiles for the cameras. But it's mainly for show, like almost everything in wrestling. In 2003, Nancy files for divorce. She accuses Benoit of threatening to hit her and wrecking the house. A friend says she saw Benoit smash his car windscreen during an argument, with his bare hands. A few months later, Nancy withdraws the allegations and they reconcile. But that can't be a healthy relationship. Meanwhile, rivals and pals are dropping like flies, which isn't part of the script. Louis Spicoli overdoses on painkillers at the age of 27. Crash Holly overdoses on painkillers at 32. Brian Pillman dies of heart disease at 35. Davey Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, dies of a heart attack at 39. Rick Rude dies of heart failure when he's 40. The list gets longer and longer. Then, in 2005, Benoit's best pal Eddie Guerrero also dies of heart failure at the age of 38. He's five months younger than Benoit. Benoit is devastated. Like him, Guerrero was one of the little guys and a wizard technician, a throwback to when pro wrestling was more about the sport than the entertainment. He'd gone off the rails, booze, drugs, couple of overdoses, a near-fatal car crash, and cleaned his act up. And what for? For steroids and painkillers and God knows what else to kill him during what should have been his prime. For a few weeks, Benoit keeps a diary, which mostly sounds like a love letter to Guerrero. One entry reads, I'll be with you soon. It's also full of Bible quotes, which is strange because Benoit was never religious. His dad Michael says it was written by someone who was extremely disturbed. In 2002, WWF had become WWE, standing for World Wrestling Entertainment. Despite the revamp and the admission it's not really sport at all, it remains incurably sick. It even uses Guerrero's death as a plotline. Two weeks after his funeral, a wrestler destroys a Guerrero memorial during a show to spark a feud with a rival. Hey ho, just part of the silliness. McMahon does create something called a talent wellness programme, which is supposed to involve regular health checkups and random drug testing. Everyone in the game knows it's a joke. Wrestlers claiming they need banned medication to treat genuine ailments get a pass. They go doctor shopping until they find one who'll comply. They're no longer wandering into dressing rooms with grocery bags, but they're still serving up elsewhere. Wrestlers don't suddenly start getting smaller and they don't stop dying. Meanwhile, Benoit is becoming more and more erratic. He hardly ever leaves the house. Sometimes he refuses to let his wife and child out. He becomes paranoid, taking different routes to the airport because he thinks he's being followed. It later emerges that Nancy thought he was having an affair. There also might have been an argument over a life insurance policy. At one point, Benoit thinks McMahon wants him out, and if he hasn't got wrestling, what has he got? And on the 11th of June 2007, at the end of a live televised show, Vince McMahon climbs into a white limousine that promptly explodes. Fans, many of them kids, are traumatised. Donald Trump. A friend of McMahon's phones WWE HQ to find out if McMahon is okay. The WWE website publishes a statement saying McMahon is presumed dead. Most people presume it's a hoax. But WWE keeps running with it. McMahon's daughter speaks of a deep sense of loss and vows to find out who killed him. A Vince McMahon memorial show is scheduled. The WWE website gets tens of millions of hits. Dead or alive, real or fake, job done. On the 19th of June, eight days after the limousine explosion, Benoit wrestles on a show in Charlotte in North Carolina. He beats a guy by submission, just like he has a thousand times before. Two days later, Benoit drops in on an old friend in Georgia and plans celebrations for the 4th of July. The next day, Benoit visits Dr. Phil Astin, a medical Willy Wonka, who has more pro wrestlers on his books than even McMahon. That evening, at about six o'clock, a pool cleaner sees Benoit and his son grilling meat on a barbecue in front of their house. Domestic bliss. On the afternoon of the 24th of June, Benoit leaves a voicemail with a wrestler friend, saying he's missed his plane and won't be able to make that night's show in Texas. When his friend calls back, Benoit tells him his wife and son have food poisoning. He also says he loves him. That's not really Benoit. Benoit misses the weekend shows as well, before sending his friend some cryptic text messages. They include his home address and where the dogs are kept. His friend tells WWE officials who ask the police to pay a visit. On the 25th of June, officers enter Benoit's home in Fayetteville, Georgia. They find Nancy dead. Her body has been wrapped in a blanket and a Bible has been placed next to it. They find seven-year-old Daniel dead in his bedroom, which is a shrine to his dad. There are Chris Benoit action figures and replica championship belts on the shelves. A poster shows Benoit finishing a rival off with his crippler crossface. Daniel's body also has a Bible next to it. They find Benoit's body in the basement gym. He'd removed the bar from one of his machines, wrapped the steel cord round his neck, adjusted the weight and hanged himself. A dungeon in the truest sense.
2: We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.
1: Investigations reveal Benoit had taken Nancy by surprise from behind, smashed her head into the floor and pinned his knee into her back. He'd bound her hands and feet with duct tape before wrapping a TV cable around her neck and pulling until she stopped breathing. Benoit then woke Daniel and got him to swallow an anti-anxiety pill before strangling him. The bruise marks on Daniel's face suggest Benoit used his crippler crossface. Benoit lingered for a day before calling his friend. He even chatted to a neighbour. When the neighbour asked why he wasn't at the show in Texas, he told them Nancy and Daniel were ill and needed looking after. That night... Benoit retreated to his gym and killed himself. It was his final submission. That evening, there's supposed to be a memorial show for the late Vince McMahon. Instead, when viewers tune in, they see McMahon standing in an empty arena, very much alive and not at all blown to pieces. McMahon admits his death was a hoax before paying tribute to Benoit. WWE has become so warped that nobody really knows what they're watching. While a three-hour highlight reel of Benoit's career is being aired, full of flying headbutts and crippler crossfaces, police in Fayetteville are dealing with a double murder-suicide, perpetrated by the guy being celebrated on TV. When the truth comes out, WWE quickly does a U-turn. Benoit disappears from its website. All Chris Benoit merchandise is pulled and he's edited out of DVDs. McMahon calls Benoit a monster and says he'll never mention his name again. When journalists suggest drugs might have been involved in the tragedy, the wrestling community closes ranks. Wrestlers look offended when interviewers ask if drugs are still being used. WWE issues a statement that says steroids were not and could not be related to the cause of death. According to WWE, it was just a freak occurrence. Benoit was simply a man with personal problems who snapped. A WWE attorney puts it about that Benoit and Nancy had been arguing about their son, who'd been battling a secret illness. There are rumours that Daniel was found with needle marks on his arms and had been injected with human growth hormone. It later, turns out, the attorney made it all up. The toxicology report makes grim reading for WWE. As well as anti-anxiety drugs and painkillers, Benoit had ten times the normal level of testosterone in his system, caused by a synthetic form of the hormone. Police also discover that Dr. Phil Astin had been giving Benoit a 10-month supply of steroids every three to four weeks. When police raid a pharmacy in Orlando, Florida, they discover it's been supplying steroids and human growth hormone to wrestlers by the bucket load. So much for the Talent Wellness Programme. McMahon suspends 10 wrestlers, including Eddie Guerrero's nephew. But journalists carry on digging One prominent wrestling writer reveals 60 pro wrestlers have died before the age of 50 in the previous 10 years. If the same proportion of NFL players under 50 had died in the same time frame, the death toll would have been 430. It's not exactly a secret that taking too many blows to the head is bad for you. Scientists have been studying punch-drunk boxers since the 1920s, And one modern study shows that only three concussions can cause permanent brain damage, or CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. But WWE brushes off suggestions wrestling might have caused Benoit's crimes. They're sticking with the freak occurrence plotline, which is a bit like saying a broken car traveling at 150 miles per hour on a tight mountain road just happened to fall off a cliff. Benoit's father sends his son's brain off to the University of West Virginia, where scientists have been studying the brains of former NFL players who took their own lives. Michael Benoit and his family are desperate for answers. And no wonder. The person that did this is not the man we know and love, says Michael. Chris was a kind and gentle man. As well as his parents, Benoit left behind two sons from his first marriage aged 10 and 15. The scientist studies reveal that Benoit had the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. From their studies on the brains of the former NFL players, they already knew that too much blunt force trauma and multiple concussions could lead to depression, severe behavioural problems and suicide. The findings are a great relief to Benoit's family. They're a major inconvenience for WWE. People are no longer asking why Benoit did what he did. They're asking how it hadn't happened before. And so McMahon has been demasked and needs new gimmicks. In 2008, WWE ushers in the so called PG era. That means less sex and less violence. Gone are razor blades and chairs being wrapped around heads there's a lot of grumbling. Some hardcore fans think it's political correctness gone mad. According to them, modern WWE is like modern Formula One, pointless, without the carnage, sanitized, boring. But by making it more for the kids, WWE grew up and potentially saved lives. Modern WWE is far from safe. Pro wrestling never can be, but it's less dangerous than in Benoit's day. The irony being, Benoit would have loved it. Because there are fewer violent stunts, there's more of the technical stuff. He'd be more authentic than the rest, like he always was, but without having to suffer death by a thousand flying headbutts and chairs around the back of the head. And if he did get concussed, the big boss might even give him a few days off. Yeah, that even happens nowadays. Time to recover. Time to decompress. There's still no mention of Chris Benoit on WWE's website. You won't hear his name mentioned on any of its shows. And he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame anytime soon. Benoit is a 220 pound hole in the WWE backstory. That's all understandable. After all, Benoit murdered his wife and kid but old rivals and hardcore fans know the truth. In the fantasy land of WWE, there was no wrestler more real than Benoit. Just look at how it all ended. And that's the story of Chris Benoit. It was written by Ben Durz and performed by me, Emma Clark. It was edited by Phil Brown for research We used Sports Illustrated, the LA Times, the Washington Post, USA Today, and Maxim magazine, as well as the two-part Vice documentary, Dark Side of the Ring. The music we used is from our partners at BMG Production Music. If this is your first episode, go and download our episode about Pat Tillman, the American football star who gave up a career in the NFL to serve in Afghanistan, and our episode about Sonny Liston, the heavyweight champion who might just have the murkiest story in boxing. And we have another series called Death of a Rockstar 2. Search for that and you'll find episodes about Freddie Mercury, Michael Jackson and Amy Winehouse. We'll release another sports star episode on Monday... Thanks for listening. Crowd Network, a place where you belong.
0: Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minterdial Vamos.
2: Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.
1: Hey there, my name is
0: Michael Amanato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport.